is Nicole Smith, and I am often referred to as a mom, a Swede, a recreational therapist, a therapeutic writing instructor, and an inspiring occupational therapist. Kindness and compassion are two of my core characteristics that pushes the desire within me to help others. As a recreational therapist and a therapeutic writing instructor, I have had the opportunity to help my patients and students to improve different aspects of their lives from increasing their self-esteem, giving them a more positive outlook on life, to increasing their physical ability to sit up straight or grasping and holding an item with their hands. I am passionate about helping others, and even though I'm currently helping improving the lives of my patients and my students, I know that I will be able to do that with a greater impact as an occupational therapist. What do you guys think? Welcome to the first episode of this podcast, Explore the OT Field. My name is Nicole Smith, and I'm your host. This was the beginning of my statement of purpose when applying to OT school. A short and sweet introduction to who I am. But how did I become this person? Let me tell you. I grew up in the suburbs of southern Sweden, which is very important to mention and differentiate if you ask someone from Stockholm, because according to them, I speak more Danish than Swedish. Um, But anyway, I grew up with two brothers. My mom was able to be a stay-at-home mom with us, and my dad had his own playing card company, which is a fun fact that I occasionally share with my patients when they are impressed by my playing card deck shuffling abilities and I tell them it's in my blood and then I tell them about how my dad had a playing card company growing up anyway uh, back to the story Um, when I was four years old um, I started riding horses Uh, this might seem like a minor detail but it has essentially shaped me into who I am today and in a way took me to where I am today and uh this was the first step to getting getting me here. You'll understand how shortly. Get ready to roll your eyes. When I turned 10, I got a pony for my birthday. And this meant that for the next four years, I was at the barn every day, more or less, in sunshine, in rain, in wind, in cold, and in the occasional snow. I had to be there. I had to show up. I had to be responsible. I had to be independent, and so many more things. I can just keep going about all the responsibilities and all the benefits that it brought with it um, and how it shaped me into who I am today. Uh, It has always surprised me how well I was able to manage my schoolwork despite all of the hours and days that I spent at the barn. And I have many times wondered how I did it, Now, as a grad student, let me use research to explain it. In 2017, a study conducted by the Tokyo University of Agriculture reported that children had positive physical and mental effects from horseback riding. The report stated that the act of horse riding could improve cognitive abilities in children. These are brain-based skills which an improvement can lead to enhanced learning, memory, and problem solving. Many studies of children involved in horse 
programs show that they generally get better grades because writing increased their ability to focus and ignore distractions. This directly translates to learning, studying, and concentrating on tasks. By interacting with horses, children can learn and subsequently apply these important skills to a variety of situations throughout their lives. Anyway, that was the research. Now let's get get back to the story again and the step two on my journey. When it was time for me to apply to upper secondary school, which is between the ages of 16 and 19, I applied to a boarding school to study social science and equine science by choice. <laughs> Whenever people hear boarding school here, they think you were a bad child and were sent to boarding school to get s- to straighten you up. That was not the case. Um, most students at my school were great students and went there for the opportunity to move away from home, obviously, but to get to be around horses both during school hours and after school. So here comes the third step on my journey. My first year there at what I usually call my horse school, we got to sign up for extracurricular activities with horses. And if you did not have your own horse with you, which I did not, the only opportunity you had for extra classes with horses was to pick carriage driving, which I of course did. And I completely fell in love with it. I took all the extra classes and opportunities I could to be able to learn more about driving as well as gain more experience in carriage driving. I could keep going into more details, but since this is not a podcast about horses, I'll speed it up. After graduation, I spent a year in Spain outside Valencia and Madrid to train horses. I did study Spanish for five years in school and thought I was ready for Spain. And although my Spanish improved tremendously during that year, I also realized how much English I actually knew. Because when I couldn't think of how to say something in Spanish or explain myself in Spanish, I thought to myself, well, if they spoke English, this is what I would have said. So after Spain, I decided to apply for a job in an English-speaking country, which landed me in Southern California, where I spent a year training horses in riding and carriage driving. So... In a way, this was my step four. California was so different from Sweden. People were so open and friendly. People greeted you on the street. They spoke to you while you were sitting at a bus stop, which all of those are completely opposite from Sweden. After my work visa, I wanted to come back to California and decided to apply for college. I'd always said that I was going to work with horses until I figured out what I wanted to do. And at that point, I suppose I had figured out I wanted to be in California. But when I started junior college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do in the future as far as career. So I took one of those introductory courses to guide you in the right direction. So here's my step five. After taking a few tests in that course, I had a list of occupations that would fit my personality. And I researched all of them and occupational therapy was 100% me. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I got my associate's degree in psychology uh, while taking prerequisites for OT school. And when I was looking to transfer to university, I looked at the different majors available at that university and I saw recreational therapy. 
I read up on recreational therapy and thought it would be a great step to get experience in another form of therapy, and I am so happy that I did. During my undergrad, I always thought that I would never work in mental health because that was too scary. Looking back, I'd probably say because it was unfamiliar, although I have family history of addiction and mental health challenges, it just seemed scary to me. Now, I was going to work with a sweet elderly population, and I even got a certificate in gerontology. But when I was trying to find a job after graduation, there were no RT jobs with older adults because those positions were filled with activity leaders rather than recreational therapists. So I ended up getting a job at an inpatient mental health hospital after being recommended by my professor, and I can even explain how grateful I am for this. I have learned so much about myself, about mental health, and how little, in quotation marks, it can take for someone, someone's world to fall into pieces. I have heard so many life stories, how childhood, relationship, work, school, and addiction led them to have a decline in their mental health. The people you imagine when you think about mental health or mental health hospital is most likely not the average patient I see at work. And they are also just like you and me. The only difference is they have faced and handled their challenges differently than we have. For those of you who don't know what recreational therapists do, here's my elevator speech for you. We use recreational activities as a form of therapy to help our patients feel better. And with that said, I hold groups every day where I do seated exercise, paint or color, play games, most often dominoes, uno or cards. We also talk about leisure skills, coping skills, stress management, anger management, goal setting, self-care and self-esteem. My favorite groups are self-esteem, lyric analysis and games. So if you're curious, let me tell you what that means or what I do in those groups. My favorite self-esteem group is where I have a list of positive words and I have them printed out, words separated from each other. I cut them into little strips where there are multiple words on each strip and then I hand them to the patients. I ask them to look through these pieces of paper And if they see a word that stands out to them, that describes them, who they are as a person, I ask them to rip it out, keep it to the side. And after they picked all of the words that represent them, we glue them onto paper. Either I've used colored paper or I've used images of flowers in a flower pot, silhouette image of a person and their brain. It could be anything, anything that shows what the meaning of uh, positive words can do. And usually in the beginning of those groups, I ask the patient to recognize something that they like about themselves. Usually it's hard for them to think about one word. So it's amazing to tie it all together in the end and remind them, remember in the beginning when I asked you to share one positive word about yourself? And now look at your paper, how many words you found that represents you and that you like about yourself. Now let's talk about the lyric analysis group. I've picked out different songs um, that have lyrics that represent mental health or positive things about yourself. And I print out these lyrics line by line 
And again, I make them into long strips and I hand them out to the patients. And then I ask the first person to read theirs and reflect on the meaning of that row or that piece of lyric that they have. And then we go around the group and at the end of the group, we've discussed each piece of lyric for that song and we listen to the song. And a lot of the times, if people have heard the song before, they are amazed by the meaning of the song or the lyrics that they've never reflected about before. So that's also a really cool light bulb moment and uh, showing them how meaningful music can be. And the last one I mentioned was games, um, which is one of those things where when people hear recreation therapy, oh, that's the people that play games. But over the years I've worked in this field, it's amazing to see the value that games have for people. And it's also universal in the meaning that I've played a game of dominoes with one individual that is nonverbal, one individual that does not know English, and one individual that had aphasia. But we were still able to play a game of dominoes because everyone knew how it was played without words. Really cool. Anyway, all of these things are coping skills. And something I always tell my patients is that coping skills, things that we enjoy that make us feel better, we tend to forget about them when we don't feel good. But that's when we need them the most. Anyway. So that was my recreational therapy journey and some personal stories about that. But in the beginning, I also mentioned therapeutic writing and therapeutic writing instructor. And how that started was when I was in college, when I was an undergrad student, one of my recreation therapy classes required that I observed somewhere where they offered uh, recreational services. So I looked around and I found right down the street from where I lived, I found that there was therapeutic writing offered. So I went there and observed. And when I observed a therapeutic writing lesson, I was hooked. I went to volunteer training. I became a volunteer. And after I had volunteered for maybe a year, I decided to become a certified therapeutic writing instructor and teach therapeutic writing. I also went through an additional training and certification to become a equine specialist in mental health and learning. Um, so I used all of those skills and uh, worked as a therapeutic writing instructor for two years until COVID hit. And I have not been involved in the equestrian world or therapeutic writing world since then. But it is definitely something I will bring back into my life this year or maybe next year. Now you might be thinking, hippotherapy! And yes, that is definitely something I would like to utilize in the future because I have seen firsthand how beneficial the equine movement is to the rider as well as the benefit horses provide for our mental health. I'm getting to the end of the episode, so I've saved the best for last. I've touched on all the things I mentioned in the beginning, except mom, being referred to as a mom, or mama, as we call me in my house. In October 2019, my son Hunter was born, and we get to have a few months of normalcy before COVID came around. My mom was able to fly over shortly after he was born, 
But my first planned trip back to Sweden with Hunter was canceled because travels were restricted. Becoming a mom and being a mom is something that nothing can really prepare you for. The best part about my life is my son. I could really go on and on about stories about how amazing it is and how amazing he is, but this is not a motherhood episode. What I want to get to is another thing I mentioned in my statement of purpose. After giving birth to my son and experiencing the transition into motherhood, I became interested in and passionate about women's health and maternal health. And like I wrote in my statement of purpose, although multiple appointments and classes are offered during pregnancy, it dissipates after giving birth. The physical, psychological, and emotional changes women go through when becoming mothers have not been given enough attention in the clinical setting, unless being diagnosed with postpartum depression. And that is something I would like to change as a future occupational therapist. It needs to be addressed, improved, and offered to mothers experiencing a significant change and disruption in their daily occupations. When I started OT school, my son was 15 months old, and now, two years later, he's three years old and some change. For those of you that might wonder how it is to go through OT school with a little one, it is doable. I am in a flex program, which means I had to attend class meetings virtually some weekdays and attend seven campus weekends per term. I also worked full time, 40 hours per week, aside from the term when we had neuro when I went down to 32 hours per week. But anyway, it was definitely doable. Being a mom and having to squeeze in so many more things in one day than before being a mom, I had to manage my time and be on top of when assignments and group projects were due and try to work them in whenever I had extra time if there's such a thing. Seriously, I don't even know what I did with all my time before I became a mom. Okay, I'm gonna jump off the mom train. At least I left it till the end. Okay, another thing. I have always been creative and always had ideas of inventions and things I want to create. And actually, the favorite compliment I have ever received is that I am resourceful. Lately, I have decided to bring my ideas to life and not keeping them stuck in my brain where all of the other ideas are. A year ago, I started an Etsy shop called Sweeter Things. Yes, just like Stranger Things, but Sweeter Things, like Sweden. To make a long story short, I sell print-on-demand products with Swedish-inspired designs with representation for everyone. So if you like unicorns, Vikings, representation, or just cute prints, check it out on Sweeter Things either on Etsy or on Instagram. And this year, I'm starting this podcast, which is an idea that just entered my brain a few weeks ago. As mentioned in the introduction or trailer for the podcast, I am currently in my seventh term of OT school, and the next two terms will be fieldwork, something that is both exciting, but it is also like the great unknown most of us don't even know where we are heading, both location-wise and setting-wise. When we eventually get to know in what setting we are going to, we don't really know what is waiting for us. As a podcast connoisseur myself, I thought it would be amazing to have a podcast where people can learn about other fieldwork experiences in different fieldwork settings. So then the next thought came, well, it's not out there, so I should start it. If you would have told me this five years ago, I would say not in a million years. I probably have undiagnosed social anxiety and most of the classmates I've had during my 32 years of life have surely 
seeing my bright red face when talking in front of class. But here I am. So what can you expect from this podcast? You will be able to listen to interviews with students and fieldwork educators or clinical instructors about how to best prepare for fieldwork, what assessments and interventions are predominantly used, what challenges and rewards that comes with it, and many other things. Above all, it will give you an opportunity to gain insight and learn more. And who will benefit from this podcast? In my honest opinion, I believe that this podcast will benefit everyone in the field of occupational therapy. New students, students that are heading to fieldwork, new grads that are going into a field where they didn't do their fieldwork, occupational therapists that are fieldwork educators or clinical instructors, or occupational therapists that want to learn about a different practice than theirs through the eyes of a brand new student. I hope that you are as excited as I am to start this journey to explore the OT field and fieldwork. There are already a few interviews lined up and stay tuned for the next episode and my first interview. Until then, you can follow the progress on the podcast Instagram at Explore the OT Field Podcast. If you would like to be a guest and share your fieldwork experience on the podcast, you can message me on Instagram or send me an email on explorettheotfield at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about my story 